0: fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner.
1: Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Piled track and it's in here for the touchdown. What a great second. Here
0: the, oh, here comes the Oh, here comes the, oh, here comes the oh. so What's going on, Wolfpack? This is the Wolf of Roto Street, RotoStreetjournal.com and here with the next episode of the fantasy fullback dive where we pave your path to 2019 titles and right now at the draft only 10 days away we're bringing you a preview and to do so the best possible way we're bringing a fantastic guest trevor sykema of the draft network he also covers the bucks for the pewter report preview for next episode he's going to do a fantastic interview on the bucks as well but this draft preview was unbelievable he gives us a fantastic insight into all the positions quarterback kyler murray should he go number one overall is he the even top prospect of a pretty weak quarterback class and who else should we know about what about the running back position where the fantasy implications are usually the most immediate where we had saquon barkley be a number one overall fantasy running back last year and year in and year out rookies coming to make a major impact who could have those rb1 style impacts is there anyone outside of josh jacobs that we need to know about and plus this receiver class so wide receiver heavy such a rich depth talent pool of receivers who do we need to know about is the DK Metcalf hype real or is he just a workout warrior should we believe in other wide receivers before him what about the slot are there new slot wide receiver weapons that we need to know about and of course tight ends maybe the most rich tight end class with those Iowa boys at top but who else do you need to know besides Hawkinson and Fant there's tons of insight here plus the boldest sleepers of this draft the boldest draft day prediction who's going to be the biggest in impact player, all that and so much more here with Trevor Sicoma at Tampa Bay Trey. If you want to connect with him, that's Tampa Bay, T-R-E, fantastic insight, an awesome guy. Uh, Can't wait for you guys to hear this one. Let us know your thoughts in the comments. Visit ffbdbod.com. all that stuff to let us know what you think of this one. Alrighty, we are here with returning guest Trevor Sykema, a Bucks beat reporter for the Pewter Report, and also recently taken over some draft coverage for uh, the Draft Network, and you can find him at Tampa Bay Trey. We've had him on before, and it's always a good time.
1: Trevor, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. It's great to uh, finally be back with you on this podcast, man. I'm excited about it.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, last time was a hit. It was a, a fantastic time. You gave us some fantastic Bucks insights. So now we're hoping you can give us some great uh, draft NFL uh, stuff like that, and then also some Buck stuff, too, uh, for sure. a second. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll start right at the top, though, with the number one overall pick. We got the Cardinals on the board, and for a long time, it was assumed Kyler Murray was going to be that lock to go to them based on Cl- uh, Cliff Klingsbury's comments. If I had the number one overall pick, I'd take him all that. was this huge report that it's going to be Kyler Murray and there's no one else. But lately, that seems to be shifting, and it's more about a 60% uh, confidence interval. A lot of people are saying it's not as near a lock as people once thought. What are your takes on it? Do you think they're going to go Kyler Murray? Do you think they should go Kyler Murray? And
1: uh, is he even your number one quarterback in this class? What do you think's happening at the top of the draft? Yeah, here's the thing: like, if you're considering a quarterback, draft one, right? I mean, like, mm-hmm. it, it, they even if it's not like the 90% we may have thought it was a couple of weeks ago, uh, if it's a coin flip and one of the positions is a quarterback, take the quarterback, right? Yeah. I mean, that doesn't really make any sense to me. Do you believe in Josh Rosen or do you not? Because at this point, the logic of it seems really weird. Maybe they're not drumming up as much trade interest for Josh Rosen. Maybe a lot more will happen on uh, on draft weekend, but I'll also say ten day that that ten day window between uh, when the draft starts, it's a lot of smoke screens, man. Yeah. It's a lot of people getting out some false information, including some really higher up media people who get fooled by a lot of these smoke screens that come out. And so this again, if you are on the fence about Kyler Murray, if it comes out that, okay, maybe the Cardinals won't draft him. Maybe they do like Josh Rosen. Uh, Maybe he is their guy Mm -hmm. that only drums up more trade interest for Josh Rosen. Right. I mean that, that's where I've got to think this is coming from. I'm not so sure that I totally believe that they're really backing off of Kyler Murray. And even if they are, I mean, 50, 60%, like I said, you have to take the quarterback. If you don't believe in the guy that you have, you have to go get the right one. So, uh, in terms of over, an overall prospect, Kyler Murray, yes, is my my number one quarterback in this class. I think it's pretty easy for me once I continue to watch a lot of his film. You know, you look at his stature and you look at him being a, a much smaller guy, a guy who's played baseball before, a guy who does a lot of a lot of damage with his legs, and you think, oh, that won't work in the NFL. But this guy's got a great arm, man. He really mm-hmm. does. He's got. Uh, good instincts for the position. He's truly, I hate to use these cliche words, but like he's a gamer, man. Like he just gets it. This is a guy who, when you're drafting a quarterback in the first round, especially as high as number one, overall, the goal is to win a super bowl. And if I looked at this entire draft class, regardless of where I'm picking any of these guys, if you said, pick one guy that's going to win a super bowl, I'd tell you it's Kyler Murray. So, I mean, that makes, that makes who is QB one totally easy for me. So, Yes, he, he would be my QB1, and that's kind of where I am with the Arizona situation.
0: Absolutely. So I, I have full agreement. I hope they go out and get him It'd be that make that team just so much more exciting. Rosen didn't do anything in his opportunities. He wasn't set up for true success either, but I, I think Murray is a baller. Just the intangibles, like you said, how do you measure it? it, it he's just the guy that will get it done uh, when you need it the most. So I agree with you there. Who do you have behind him? What do you kind of rank the quarterbacks after Murray in a, what seems to be a pretty weak class? What's your opinion on the rest of it?
1: Yeah, so I'm not super high on a lot of these guys. Some of the guys that I would even have it like two, three, four, and gonna need some work. I've got my final rankings coming out next week, but I think it's probably gonna shape up. You know, if we put them in tiers, at least I think Murray's in tier one. I think tier two, we're getting at least Dwayne Haskins, Drew Locke are probably in that second tier for me. Whether I, I I'm not sure. Quite yet, who's going to be two, who's going to be three. Then after that, you've got guys like uh, Brett Rippon, Will Greer, uh, Tyree Jackson. Those guys would probably be in tier three. Not a big Daniel Jones fan. I just don't really get the appeal. I think he could be a solid backup in the NFL. Maybe a guy who could come in for... A game or two and and not look totally terrible for you but in terms of this this first round hype for him I think it's kind of crazy I just don't think he has the arm for it and so you know the same thing kind of with Jared Stidham we've heard some hype about him as well those guys are probably a little bit further down my list that's probably how I'd rank them out in like a tiered system I'm not sure exactly Mm -hmm. how it's going to come out one two three four yet but those are the guys I'd work with certainly Murray's at the top You can work with Haskins and Locke. There's some tools there, but obviously need for development, certainly. And then some guys after that, you're looking into kind of that, Eh, you know, there maybe might be a starter for a team for a little bit, but I don't know if I see franchise quarterback work from any of those guys after that.
0: Yeah, we agree, too. Uh, So moving to the running backs, then that's, often where the earliest rookie fantasy impacts come from. The learning curve seems to be a little less steep for the running back position. And I mean, you look at Saquon Barkley, obviously he was a can't miss guy, but ended up being a top five fantasy guy last year, number one overall pick and a lot of drafts coming up. Uh, It just seems like the the rookie running backs can hit a lot quicker than the receivers, the tight ends, the quarterbacks. So it's a position we probably pay the most attention to. Unfortunately, this doesn't seem like the strongest class of runners, but for most Alabama running back, Josh Jacobs seems to be the consent census number one guy do you agree with that and after he had that kind of light Kenyon Drake style usage under Saban do you think he'll ever be that true three
1: down horse in the league I think he probably can I really do I looked Mm -hmm. at his tape and I I mean I like I liked his tape I thought it was a lot more complete than say like a guy like Kenyon Drake right so this is a guy who mainly got on the field because he was that good of a blocker and that good of a receiver right and Mm -hmm. so once they finally started to give him the ball it was like oh okay this guy's a, a an actual running back too and so Jacobs, I think, was just in a bad situation. I don't want to say bad situation. He played for <laughs> Alabama, got to play in some big games, but right. in certain certainly, when you're trying to prove your worth, trying to up your draft stock, you're competing against guys like Damian Harris, former five star, like Najee Harris, former five star. You know, it just it gets yeah. it gets cluttered in that Alabama backfield, but. I do think that he probably has the most potential to be a guy who's a full-time three-down back. Miles Sanders does as well. I think Miles Sanders is probably going to be the second running back taken when it's all said and done. I'd tell you that probably Damian Harris is going to be that third running back. Mm. But kind of to your point there, a little bit of a fantasy outlook and even you know, comparing it to, uh, to an early production outlook, you've— it's a lot about fit, right? I mean, that's of the, course. you know, it's, it, for, for running backs, not only is it fit, how much a coach believes in you, but there's luck involved too. I mean, running backs get hurt all the time. So sometimes you'll see running backs who uh, would not have gotten opportunities otherwise until a guy who in front of him gets hurt. Maybe a veteran gets hurt or something like that. And a young guy gets kind of thrust into a situation, ends up thriving, but you never would have seen it coming had the first guy not gotten hurt. So in that regard, it's always tough to predict just who might have some early production. Uh, But there's, I think, uh, there's a lot of guys in this class where I think Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, probably Damian Harris, uh, David Montgomery a little bit as well. Daryl Henderson, I'm not sure Daryl Henderson's really going to be like the go-to guy early on his career. Could be totally wrong. I love his game. I love his speed. I can just see the NFL being like, yeah, he's going to be our speed guy in a committee or something like that. So I don't know about full-time work there, but probably those four guys that I named right there have the potential to be guys who garner a lot of carries if they're in the right situation. And not only that, but guys that could probably make the most out of it. I think David Montgomery forced the most missed tackles in college football Mm -hmm. last year. Now, Going up against Big 12 defenses, not great at tackling over there, but uh, still, the stat is the stat. So those are kind of some names up at the top where if you're looking certainly for an early output uh, fantasy impact even, I'd I'd have my money on those guys.
0: You see any of them landing in the the first round, or do you think this is going to be one of those drafts like a couple years ago? We didn't have a single running back go to the first round.
1: Yeah, if anything, I think Jacobs will. Mm-hmm. I think he. I think he would be. I know it's kind of you know, beating a dead horse at this point with the Jacobs might be the only one to go first round, but yeah. that's kind of the way that I see it. Uh, I think Miles Sanders, uh, like I said, Damian Harris, and then David Montgomery, they're all going to go. I think somewhere in round two. Yeah. So that's how I kind of see things shaking out with the running back class. I think Jacobs is the only one who really has a shot at that end of the first round. Um, but he, if he doesn't then you, we could see all four of those guys going in the second round there.
0: Absolutely. And, and one of the most wide open backfields in the league right now is your Tampa Bay Bucks. Do you yeah. have any idea where, what would you do if you were the Bucs? Do you think they're going to make a, a draft day splash? Uh, where do you see them going at running back in this
1: draft class? I don't know how high they're going to draft running back, you know, mm-hmm. because they need help on both the trenches. They need another linebacker yeah. somewhere. So if they're not going linebacker at five, they've got to pick one up somewhere in the top 100 because you basically got Levante David, and that's it. You know, A lot of the other guys are just kind of piecing it together in that new Todd Bowles uh, 3-4 system. So they need help at offensive line. They need help on defensive line, both at edge and interior defense tackle, and then linebacker. So when you think about all that stuff, and even cornerback too, right? So when you think about all that stuff, you go, okay, well, where do you draft a running back? And then if you're not drafting a running back till round five or six, you're not really right. counting on them to make a big impact. So— Honestly, man, and we might get to this a little bit later when we yeah, if we talk sure. some bucks, but like Rojo is kind of the guy for them right there. So I, I don't even know if uh, I, I don't know how high they're even going to take a running back, even though it kind of looks like they need one.
0: Uh, looking forward to talking about a little bit later for sure. Um, and last running back related question. Do you see, I mean, obviously Alvin Kamara, there's not going to be that type of third round guy that just blows up, but is there a, a sleeper that might not be viewed as this can't miss prospect, but could end up being an Alvin Kamara style breakout in this class?
1: So I guess some guys that I would name, I like Devon Az- Azigbo from Nebraska. I think he's got a good all-around game. I think he's got good size. I think you're going to get him in camp, and a, a running back coach going to look at him and be like, that's a running back, yes. right? So not the most athletic guy in the world. Probably, you know Definitely should have been invited to the Combine, but he wasn't. Mm-hmm. But he's still a pretty solid player. I guess if I were to say – A running back – you know what? I'm going to say Benny Snell because Benny Snell, you could either really like him or really not like him. I kind of really like Benny Snell. That dude, he's got a lot of carries to him. I get it. But he runs hard. He's passionate. He loves physicality. Mm-hmm. He's a guy who I could see making an impact on a team pretty early on. Obviously, saying you know, something like Kamara is is, is right. kind of crazy just because it's hard to predict. But in terms of kind of like maybe a sleeper, not in that top five, even top ten maybe running backs, I think Benny Snell is a guy who could make an impact early on.
0: Absolutely. And if there's an area of offensive strength for this class, uh, it seems to be the pass catchers, both at wide receiver and tight end. Um, and one of the most controversial names out there is DK Metcalf, breaking the internet with that shirtless picture. He looks like the Hulk. He destroys the combine. Uh, but pretty underwhelming overall in college at Ole Miss. He's severely outplayed by his teammate, A.J. Brown. Are you drinking the Kool-Aid on Metcalf as the number one in this class? Or what do you think? That poor agility numbers, is that scaring your way? What's your thoughts on Metcalf?
1: I'm not just drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm dumping the cooler <laughs> on my face, Okay. <laughs> It's just so rare that we get a player with his athletic ability at his size. I mean, it's truly one of a kind. Certainly, he did not have the agility skills that say like Calvin Johnson, who is probably the best combine freak we're ever going to see in our life, Mm -hmm. or Julio Jones, who was close, you know, close behind. But I mean, all the other numbers are comparable, right? I mean, like the size, the speed, the strength, it's unbelievable what this guy can do. And here's the thing. okay, the agility numbers, they weren't super great, but neither were New Hopkins. Neither was Des Bryan. You know, there are a ton of these guys who just didn't have good agility numbers because they're very much north to south. They're lateral guys, right? So um, they're, they're vertical guys in what they do really well. If you can't, as a wide receiver coach, look at DK Metcalf and think, yeah, I can work with that guy. All agility drills aside or what? like even if right now he only runs – let's say four or five routes even like really well, if you can't look at him and be like, I can work with this guy, get out of the business. You suck. That's that's all I've got for you because this guy is about as moldable as it gets. He's he's about as dominant as it gets when it comes to a vertical offense. Hakeem Butler would probably be right after him for me. And then number three would be J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. So that's how my top three wide receivers I think are going to end out. Um, Hakeem's a fun guy too because a lot of people think Kind of the same thing, like this is just a big bodied wide receiver, but people forget Hakeem played in the slot in 2017 when Alan Lazard was there and he was the main outside receiver. So you had this six foot six, 225 pound dude sinking his hips, doing early routes, uh, cutting off curls, doing drags and having a lot of success with it, including over the middle of the field with space. And so I think it's a really good wide receiver class. And I think there's some some big time difference makers.
0: Yeah, where do you project those guys to land? Where would you love to see them land in terms of their reaching their highest potential, their highest ceiling?
1: Yeah, so and I'll, I'll just go with round because, I mean, there's a couple of teams. Like, you know, certainly the Steelers, the Ravens, yeah. Washington. Those are all teams that really – I mean, 49ers. Buffalo as well. You know, 49ers certainly. Those are all mm. teams that need wide receiver help, whether they pick them early or not. I've been hearing, like, oh, we might only get one wide receiver in the first round. I've also heard crazy stuff like Marquise Brown's basically a lock to go first. I don't even know at this point. It seems as though everybody's really high on this wide receiver class, yeah. but there's not a consensus around it of who the top guys are or where they're going or something like that. And so. All I'm saying is, man, that you're going to have an opportunity to get a really good pass catcher, a guy who's going to create not only yards but touchdowns for you, I think, kind of throughout basically the top 100 of the first three rounds.
0: Absolutely. And, and you mentioned some of these bigger body guys, those Alpha X style, six foot five monsters mm-hmm. that every team's always coveted but lately it seems like there's a transition to the slot style mold where they are just being increasingly sought after after New England types like Edelman, Welker, dominate. we've seen Landry kind of come out and dominate after the catch. And this class seems to have a lot of those type of slot monsters that you know build styles. Who do you like the most out of this class in terms of that style receiver?
1: So as you're saying like X guys? Uh no, I'm
0: thinking outside oh, the X, sorry, With the slot, saying, like moving, kicking inside. Guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, um, who do you like I, out of those type of guys? I think at the top, you got to talk about Debo Samuel and A.J. Brown. Um, those are two guys who are going to have a lot of success in the slot but can also play on the outside. And So I'm cheating a little bit here with that answer because those guys are kind of complete receivers. But yeah. at 6' foot and 5'11", they're a little bit shorter for the position. Not sure if you want to put them out on the edge, but both those guys are about 215, 220, 225, something like that. And So these aren't just um, – you know, helpless guys over the middle when they're taking contact. These are guys who can get also get yards after the catch and yards after contact, which we don't see a lot of. Terry McLaurin and Paris Campbell, I think, are two more guys who could do a lot of good work in the slot. Andy Isabella is certainly a name where you talk about that stereotypical. Those guys are those super quick yeah. feet, right? Hunter Renfro is the obvious one. He's kind of in that same category. Penny Hart's another one who really blew up the senior bowl with how well he was able to run his routes and set people up. But those are kind of some slot names that I'm thinking of. You've got more big bodied guys at the top that I think more teams are going to covet. But certainly Mm. if you're looking for slot weaponry, you're going to be able to find one in your top 100, no doubt.
0: Absolutely. Uh, And then tight ends too. That's a a position that typically there's not an immediate season one fantasy impact, but this class might be the most loaded pro ready tight end class we've seen in a long time. Uh, And there's lots of teams with gaping holes at this position. So, what do you think of the, the the top two seem to always be those Iowa boys, TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant? The, those are the headliners. Uh, where do you expect these guys to fall, and do you think it's Noah Fant because of the athleticism or just the complete game of Hawkinson? Which one's going to have the bigger year one impact?
1: Right now, I still have Fant as my tight end one. That might change next mm-hmm. week when I kind of publish my last ones as I... Like, I get my last few notes, do some more research on on the analytical success that these guys have because that's my big thing that I've got to look at, people breaking down a lot of the analytics with them and kind of pairing it on the film that I've seen. But both these guys are so good. I think last time I had my rankings, both were in the top 12, top 10. Uh, I think the NFL is going like, to like TJ Hawkinson a lot more just because he's he's safer. Mm-hmm. He's certainly got a higher floor. He's easier to project uh, as an inline guy or a slot guy. No offense to somebody who you're really just going to want to get vertical with. Um, you're gonna play him in the slot a lot. He's gonna be going up the seam, doing things like that, attacking the middle of the field. So those two guys, definitely in my top two tight ends. But I think big impacts all around. I think Font was a little. Uh, he doesn't have great numbers when it comes to catching through traffic and through contact, though. And so that's a really important part of playing over the middle, even with the new rules. Where you, where, you know you know you, you know you're not getting blasted over the middle. You still got to be able to catch through some serious contact. And I think Noah Fant. Didn't really have the resume for it at Iowa, not saying that he can't do it. I'm just saying that there is that doubt there for his stock where it's not really for Hawkinson because he was uh, he basically had glue on his gloves. He was basically snagging everything that came his way. So even though Font's more athletic, Hawkinson's more the consistent one that shows a lot more all around game. Absolutely. And
0: outside of those two, uh, Texas A&M's Jason Sternberger often gets regarded as the the second best receiving tight end in this class. Do you agree with that? And you think he's going to make an instant receiving standpoint? What impact from a receiver standpoint? What do you think about him and any other tight ends in this class?
1: Yeah, super weird for Sternberger because I think he was at Kansas before for like two years and basically couldn't get on the field. Mm. Um, Transferred after that, ended up making his way down to Texas A&M, I think a year or two later. And then he was like one of the best tight ends in the SEC. Like he was yeah. I mean, I didn't I don't understand how that guy doesn't get on the field at Kansas, but you know, here we are. Uh he's smooth, man. He's got really smooth routes. I think you can sink, sink his hips for a guy his size, 6'4, about mm-hmm. two, two fifty. And that really plays into that big slot role that we've seen NFL teams really adapt uh as of late, certainly in the red zone and in short yardage situations. So I think he's gonna be good there. Irv Smith's another player, he's got uh, NFL background to his family bloodline. Uh, him being a junior, is Irv Smith Jr. is his name. He is – I think he'll end up being the second – or the third, the third tight end taken because you get the two Iowa boys. And then I think he'll mm. end up being 3rd not really sure how it's going to shake out after that. I mean, like I can have my rankings about how I see it, but tight end is so much about what each team needs. Like if you need a vertical guy, you know, you're, you're picking a guy um, – like a Dawson Knox, like a Josh Oliver, something like that. But if you're looking for more of a complete guy, you know, a Dax Raymond, a Foster Moreau, a Cahale Warren, you know, those are guys who, you're, who, who are probably going to be in your wheelhouse. And so tight end more than anything else I think differs from team to team just because you can get so creative with any of those guys. But those guys that I, I mentioned there, they're really good names. They're names to know. They're going to make an impact on teams, whether – You know, whether it's as a starter or even just as a rotational piece, I think those are all players who uh, can really make an impact in the NFL
0: absolutely uh and so you've kind of given us a great preview of all the positions tossed out a ton of the names that we need to be keeping on our radar as the draft approaches if you had to boil it down to one bold prediction who out of all these rookies is going to make the biggest fantasy impact i know landing spot of course is going to play into that but if you had to guess today which of all these rookies you talked about is going to be the biggest impact who do you think it's going to be
1: wow this is a great question so off the top of my head i would just say it's either gonna be, well, depending on what kind of a QB league you're in, because I know that that <laughs> people get crazy with QB leagues. Kyler, certainly just because he's gonna touch the ball all the time. Yeah. Um, I'll say I'll say Hakeem Butler from the wide receiver position. Mm-hmm. From the running back position, I'll say I'll say Miles Sanders and then from tight end, let me pick a tight end. From a tight end, I got to say TJ Hawkinson. So that I, I, there you go. I'll give you four from each of them. Those are probably, those are my guesses for I think who would have the biggest fantasy impact year one uh, for all those guys.
0: Love it. Um, and then just your biggest draft day sleeper, any position, you know, who's going to go beyond the first couple rounds and then end up being that prospect that everyone's wondering how they missed out on?
1: Ooh, this is a good one too. <laughs> Jalen Hurd is one that really sticks out to me, both him and Anthony Ratliff-Williams. Um, Anthony Ratliff-Williams from North Carolina played in an abysmal offense for UNC, and yet he was the f- basically the focal point of every single thing that they did. He didn't put up a ton of numbers, though, because everybody knew that he was literally their only offensive weapon, so people— Covered him really well. But, I mean, he's played running back. He's played quarterback. He plays wide receiver now. That's his position. He's a sleeper I really like. And then Jalen Hurd. This is a guy who, man, like three or four years ago, I was watching him as a running back at Tennessee, right? And he was just tough as nails, never wanted to go down, loved his heart, was a big fan of him back then ends up transferring from tennessee goes to baylor switches to wide receiver so now you got a 6'4, 230 wide receiver you had a 6'4, 230 guy playing running back which is kind of crazy <laughs> to see but now he's playing wide receiver played one year of wide receiver last year and i really liked kind of some of the things that he did and so he's really interesting to me both of those guys some potential high ceiling guys in the right offenses that use them the right way so those would probably be my two my two sleeper players
0: Awesome. Well, Trevor, thank you so much. This was an incredible draft day preview. Love all the insight that you provided. Could you just remind our uh, fans one more time where they can find you and connect?
1: Of course. Yeah. On Twitter is probably the best place to find all my stuff at Tampa Bay Trey TRE. And obviously everything that we got going on over the draft network, we got a live draft show we're doing this year. It's going to be a ton of fun. It's going to be broadcasted right on Twitter. So you can just be scrolling and and take a peek at it for as long as you want. We're going to have a lot of fun on that one. And then um, yeah, so that's probably the, uh, the best way to get in contact with me.
0: Awesome. Thanks again, man. Really appreciate the time.
1: Of course. All
0: right. All righty, Wolfpack. Hopefully you enjoyed listening to that interview as much as I enjoyed recording it. Thank you again, Trevor at Tampa Bay Trey, T-R-E. Just great stuff all around on the entire draft class. We got a great one coming up with Trevor again on the Bucks as well. So if you enjoyed this one, make sure you're tuning in for the next one on the Bucks. Fantastic insight on Arians and Jameis Winston. OJ Howard insane OJ Howard prediction that you guys gotta hear. So some fantastic stuff coming up again with Tampa Bay Trey. An awesome guest. Thank you so much. If you liked what you heard Wolfpack, make sure to check us out in all your socials. A new Instagram for this podcast specifically ffbdpod.com ffbdpod.com is our homepage ffbdpod is the Instagram handle you can search for fantasy fullback dive as well we're available on all your streaming services Spotify iTunes Stitcher if you liked what you heard please hit that subscribe button we're going to pave your path to 2019 titles all offseason and for me personally at Roto Street Wolf on Twitter love any fantasy questions you have hit me up anytime and talk Again, hope you enjoyed it. Let us know your thoughts. We really appreciate it.